Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you are today, listening to global news in social artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and as usual, we get to talk to people that are building a more humane world from the inside out. This morning, my guest is Jeremy Lanka. I believe you're from Los Angeles. Is that right, Jeremy? I am. Well, I live in Los Angeles now. I'm not originally from Los Angeles. I'm from uh, the Midwest, uh, from the Quad City area, Davenport, Iowa. Oh, oh wow. Okay. I've been out here for about 13 years now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to Glocal News and Social Artistry. Uh, you know, <laughs> I have to tell you, I, I didn't know you or the project that you all are doing or the movie or anything, but the en- Dennis, the engineer here that called you, uh, he's yeah. been, just before I go on the show, he's been announcing this Hancock Symposium, and he mentioned your a little presentation not little it's a it's a presentation next week uh, yeah. over at uh, Westminster College 10:30 uh, to 11:30 and it, it was the the actors gang prison project and boy my ears perked up and uh, I'm I'm a uh, you know want to be actor myself here in community theater and and so <laughs> I I wondered can I get a hold of one of these people? <laughs> and, you know, it was not as hard as I thought. And uh, yeah. I, I so appreciate you uh, uh, working out the schedule so that we could uh, have a conversation today about what's going on. It's absolutely my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's so great to get the opportunity to talk about the work anytime. But, yeah, we're really excited about coming out next week. So I, how did you get connected to Westminster and the Hancock Symposium. Do you know the behind the scenes yeah. uh, on that one? Yeah. So uh, Carolyn Perry, uh, I was in touch with her, and she she asked us to come out. Um, she's a relative of mine and oh. has been following the work for a long time, and kind of knew what we were doing, and it seemed to fit in well with what they have uh, what they had going on next week. Mm-hmm. And so she asked if we'd come out and talk about it, and it just so happens that it falls in line with just uh, a bunch of other things we have going on with the Prison Project. We've ran programming for like 13 years now, but um, you had made mention of it, and it just so happens that it, it, it also falls right in the heels of us uh, releasing this documentary that we've been working on for years. So <laughs> it's kind of cool. Like everything's culminating into this uh, couple weeks here. Wonderful. The confluence has uh, happened. It says that you're going to talk about uh, breaking barriers behind prison walls, and there's three of you. You, Jeremy, uh, Richard Loya, and Major Bunton? Correct. Uh, Yeah. You're going to do a little vignettes for the presentation? (laughs) Well, we probably won't do vignettes for the presentation, but we're going to do a workshop later on in the afternoon, which we might do some, uh, some vignettes and some some shtick and all kinds of uh, uh, commedia dell'arte, and we'll put some acting up. But uh, for the presentation, probably, we're probably not. We're just going to talk a bit about the program. Uh-huh. But the unique thing about us coming out to speak is I'm bringing two guys with me who I've known for a very long time and who I'm, I'm super glad are going to be there to share their firsthand experience. Uh, Richard Loya and Major Button are guys 
I've had the privilege of doing this work for 10 years now, and they're guys who I knew early on uh, through incarceration. They were in one of the classes that I was teaching inside, and eventually both of them went on to uh, essentially run a class inside prison, and both served, were, were serving life terms and are now out. And wow. now they train and teach alongside us. And so I'm bringing them with, they're going to share their firsthand experience of what it is not only to run a program inside, but also uh, how this technique of acting uh, we teach, specifically Commedia dell'arte, uh, for those uh, people who don't know or haven't heard of it, it's an Italian form of theater, uh, mm-hmm. hundreds of years old, um, and it's improv-based, and that's what we base our technique around. And they're now out, in back in society, thriving, and uh, they go back into the prisons now um, while still on parole and teach with us on the regular. So they'll be sharing their firsthand insight. I'll be talking a bit about uh, the origins of the program, how we got started, what it is we do exactly. And then in the evening, uh, we're going to do a little workshop and and actually put it on its feet because that's where, well, it's the most fun and that's where it really lives. So. <laughs> and that yeah. workshop, I just noticed, is at 7 p.m., uh, yeah. Wednesday the 18th, and uh, it says advanced reservations required. So uh, take a heads up, folks, if you're interested in being part of that uh, theater workshop with the Actors Gang Prison Project. Yeah, you need to reserve your place, and I think I'm going to call over and reserve my place as soon as we're done here. Great, great. Okay, uh, <laughs> when I started researching you all <laughs> it was funny that one of the uh the first things that popped up on google was a breitbart news report and i thought oh my breitbart what uh what does that have yeah. to do with this <laughs> but here was a tim robbins and you know they were talking about tim robbins uh prison project and da 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 which was the first i knew that uh Tim Robbins was the one of the co-founders. Is that the way to say it of the uh, yeah. actors gang? And uh, you came along s- sometime after it had been uh, in the works. Is that the way it worked? Yeah, exactly. So Tim is still the artistic director of our theater company, which is called the Actors Gang in Culver City, mm-hmm. and he started it back in the '80s with a bunch of uh, other friends and. They've kept it going ever since. But probably about 13 years ago, him and a woman by the name of Sabra Williams uh, decided to start taking this style of theater that they perform and take it into prisons as an artistic outlet. And with with the idea, it was just volunteer-based at the time, with, with the idea that, you know, it would open up a sense of expression for guys who might not otherwise have it. And then what happened is, over time, is we've that there's all these therapeutic effects that come from uh, this deep emotional work that we do. Like when we approach the work, it doesn't look anything like film or television, what we're teaching. It's it's a masked type of theater. And at first we couldn't take masks into the prisons, but mm-hmm. we're to the place now where we can. But essentially what we would do before we could take masks in, we'd have the guys paint up their faces. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially that means putting guys in lipstick and eyeliner, which is an incredibly unpopular thing to do in a prison <laughs> setting, as you can probably not imagine. But uh, that was the start of it all. So we started to dive into this. And once you get masked uh, up and you start to play, the other big key component of the style is it's played in four emotions, happiness, sadness, fear, and anger. And mm. the idea is when you watch this style of theater, it's, it's much larger than realism. Um, 
like you'd see in the movies, but there's still a sincerity to it. And so the idea is that men and women get the opportunity to explore these emotions uh, in a deeper sense. And without really knowing it at the time, we were walking into a situation where the tendency is for men and women to shut down as they do their time, either for safety or because time passes quicker. Mm -hmm. And so we just stumbled on this situation where we were offering these tools that were really opening up the emotional lives of the participants. Mm -hmm. And so from there, the state caught wind of it. They started doing studying it and uh, they started tracking the recidivism rates for the program. And I came in probably about 10 years ago mm-hmm. and uh, worked under Sabra Williams for a long time uh, until a couple years ago where I, where I took over the program. And now it's expanded. We're not only in prisons. We do reentry centers, the new big thing here in California where men and women can go for the last couple of years of their sentence. So they're still serving out their term, but they start to have the opportunity to go back out into the community and get a driver's license, start to apply for work, hmm. and then use that as a springboard back out of the community. Wonderful. I, I wasn't aware of that program. Yeah. That's great. So uh, just to ex- explore that program of uh, wh- what I would have called a halfway house here in Missouri, yeah, which I didn't think was uh, before their term was up. I thought maybe it was after their term was up, then they'd go to the halfway house and try to reorient uh, in some way. But uh, this California program sounds even more interesting since it's shortening their inside the walls uh, stay and getting that transition time used much more effectively, it sounds like. That's the idea behind it. I'm not sure if you're totally aware, but I mean, we had crazy overpopulation problems here in the California right. uh-huh. state correctional uh, system. Uh-huh. And so I think this was part of or the answer to it, along with uh, uh-huh. they passed the proposition, uh, Proposition 57, a couple of years ago that incentivized programming and also gave juveniles a chance to go back and possibly get parole uh, early. Hmm. And so with that, they've reduced uh, the numbers of of men and women who are incarcerated. Mm -hmm. But this is like a great way to assure that they have the setup that they need to, you know, have a stable existence once they actually get out, which it's, you know, having seen several individuals go through it over the years, it's a very difficult transition to make. So, Mm -hmm. um, and they just keep increasing it. So it started at, I think they could do, I think, eight months initially, and they moved it to a year, and I think now it's up to, like, I'm not totally sure, but, like, 16, 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, they can go and serve out uh, their final part of their sentence. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And yeah. are you all recruiting for the actors gang? Uh, it sounds like you have so much going on that you need to keep adding to your ranks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of the biggest issues we face, Dick. Uh, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, what we do is we, we use the actors who are in our company. So we run a full-on theater company. That's that's uh, how it all started. Oh, okay. And so, So yeah, you're putting so, on productions anyway. Is that what you're saying? Well, no. So for clarity, the, uh-huh. the, the Actors Gang is a theater company, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And so it's professional actors. Uh, Tim does a lot of directing there. And we'll take plays and we'll tour them around the world, really. Um, but we have a theater here in L.A. and we have a regular season. Mm-hmm. So that exists. And then the Prison Project started as just an outreach program within the theater right. and has since just blossomed. So what we do is we'll pull actors. Well, it's shifted, really, in the last 
probably three years, but we'll pull actors from the theater company and train them to go into prisons and teach or go into uh, juvenile centers and teach. Mm -hmm. And then what we've, but what's what the big shift that's happened is in the last three years, what's happened is we've done it for so long now that so many of these guys, men and women that we've trained inside now have developed these skills and now they're getting out. And so what we've worked Mm -hmm. with the state to do is, set up a situation where they can then go back in and teach, which initially was a big ask when we went up and, uh, and met with the secretary and we were like, hey, we want to bring uh, men who are still on parole back into the prison. They were not mm-hmm. stoked about it. But uh, over time, they've seen the value in it, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously to bring somebody into a prison who understands the style of theater we're teaching, but can speak to not only the the background and lifestyle that a lot of the men and women have experienced who are incarcerated. But I mean, talk specifically about neighborhoods and, you know, what we found is it's just really streamlined our curriculum and our process. And and it allows us to just gain trust a lot easier when we're in the room. And so that's kind of shifted everything. So now our teaching pool is about split. It's about half actors from the theater company and it's a half teaching artists who are were at one time incarcerated and are now out and uh wanting to continue the work yeah fascinating wow what a great uh <laughs> that that's a feeder uh uh line what a what a, <laughs> it just sounds beautiful yeah i'm uh i'm gonna just my mind connects associations and i just want to take a a, a second to associate a a show i saw about a woman doing radio interviews inside a california prison and one of her interviewees uh, became a kind of a partner in the program and then finally he gets out and now he i believe is running part of the show it's gotten some national news as well. So it was just another way of, of showing how people are really reaching into prisons to to humanize it, to, you know, put a face on it, to, to talk. This is humanity in just yeah. in a different context. And uh, they're not written off. We don't want to write them off. We want to know them. We want to, you know find their humanity in, in as many ways as we can. So that was just another little tangent in my mind. I don't know if you're familiar with that radio interview is it Ear show. Hustle? Is that what you're talking about, Dick? The, which one? Ear Hustle? Yes, Britain. it is. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's a great podcast. Your listeners should definitely check it out if they're into uh, what we're talking about. It's, uh, yeah, it's great. And San Quentin in general is a great example of what programming can do. That institution is famous for a lot of other reasons, but like ultimately, <laughs> now they're really known for um, further programming. It's remarkable what they've done there. What's the first word of hustle? Ear hustle. Ear, E-A-R. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was. I thought I was hearing it that way, but I wanted to make sure, so if people look it up, it's E-A-R, hustle. Uh, and it's a podcast that's been going on for some time. And oh, great! Glad you clarified that for me. And now I yeah. have it in my mind. So, how do you uh, get from uh, Iowa to Los Angeles, Jeremy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went out to uh, undergraduate to study in Orange County uh, to study theater. Theater was my my oh. ticket to the West Coast, and I just. 
I had big dreams about what L.A. was. And then, uh, to be honest with you, I got out there and went to school, and I was like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was at all. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I knew that I was like, if I don't, if I don't stay, I won't uh, – you know, I, I'm never going to come back. I thought about going back to Chicago and doing theater because it's such a great theater town. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm going to move up there, give it a go, and see what happens. And I ended up joining uh, the Actors Gang not not too long after I got up to L.A. Hmm. and kind of made a home there. And then <clears throat> totally stumbled into this work. I had no idea what I was stepping into mm-hmm. uh, the first time I went into a prison myself teaching. Um, and as a program, we were still largely learning what the thing was. Mm-hmm. But it's just become this fulfilling thing in my life that I am so grateful that I get the opportunity to do. And, you know, when you were talking about finding the humanity inside and getting the opportunity to work with men and women who are looking at what incarceration is and actually living it, Mm -hmm. you know, as an artist, it's an incredibly, I find it's the incredibly special, special and valuable thing that I get to do, especially in L.A. where it's such a grind to be an actor and you're you know, doing the hustle and going on auditions and all the things that go along along with that. The opportunity to go into an environment like prison and create value and to get to know these men and women, um, hear their stories and see how when given the opportunity, they're able to use art as a form of self-expression. Like I, I started doing that work and then never left. And now, <clears throat> I don't know, I'm 13 years in here in L.A. and totally love it. Wouldn't want to live anywhere else. But uh, it was definitely... You know, it took some time. It took me a long time to get used to L.A., but mm-hmm. uh, I love it now. I'm going to guess you're 30-something? Yeah, yeah, I am. I just uh, I just turned 36 uh, this week. Yeah. We have time to talk about what prison is like in your view as you interact sure. with folks. And I, I guess is it a, mostly a male population or is all male population? Well, I want to say there's 33 prisons. Well, there's 35 prisons in the state of California. 33 of them are state institutions run by California Department of Corrections, and I think there are three private prisons. Uh-huh. And I want to say of those, I believe there are only two female institutions. Mm-hmm. The rest is men. Uh-huh. And we run programming in soon to be 15 prisons uh, here in October. Mm-hmm. And two of them, and we're in the two female institutions. So, to give you some idea, yeah, it's both. We do, we do both, and okay. they're very, they're mm-hmm. very different. How can you pass that difference on to us? How, how can sure. You? Well, so to begin with, I guess, like if you've never, if you've never been into a prison and you walk in for the first time, the first thing you're going to notice is, and it happens. This happens in, in male and female institutions. Is everyone self segregates. So the first time you walk in and you run a class, almost regardless of where it is, and this has gotten a lot better over the last 10 years I've done this, but even in terms of housing, a lot of times, there's men and women who are incarcerated are segregated by race. And so you walk in a classroom and you'll sit, you'll sit up a chair, uh, a circle of chairs, mm-hmm. and when you come to teach the class, they've, they, the uh, participants have self-segregated right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes what we find... I mean, it's a little different now that we've ran the program for so long. A lot of times when we come in now, the guys have heard of the programming, and now there is a lot of programming in California, which helps. But in those early years, um, and still a lot of the prisons that we expand to, like I'm headed up next week to High Desert, which is like up north of Reno in California, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not a lot up there. So when we go up to a a yard like that, what, what I tend to find is that, you know, the guys, the guys will get out and they'll be sitting there, and it's like, you know, they're like, you know, 
why are we here? What do you have to show us? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, you know, they might just be there because it gives them an opportunity to be out of their cell, right? Or whatever the situation is. And they, then our they, approach they, is they, we usually, they have yeah. been selected, or there was just a flyer put up on the bulletin board, and they get to volunteer. Uh, well, what we do, what we do now is our our process is we try and work with the captain on the yard to make sure that there's racial diversity in the class, but also to make sure that there's diversity just in terms of gang affiliation. And we'll ask that they put guys in the class who, if there's other programming on the yard, we'll ask that they put guys in the class, some of whom are essentially on good behavior, who have been programming. Mm -hmm. And then we'll also say, hey, give us, you know, your bad seats. Give us those guys (laughs) who never want to do any program. So it's balanced. So that's a new phrase for me, captain of the yard. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. each prison yeah. has a captain of the yard. Yeah, so okay. you have a captain who oversees the yard, and then you'll have mm-hmm. a lieutenant on that yard, and then a sergeant who is like the the guy who's on the ground, who's, you know, really in the mix. But um, a lot of times the lieutenant or the captain will know pretty much everybody who's on his, his or her uh, yard. And these so are we'll correctional them. officers that... Yep, yep. Exactly. Okay, wow. So we'll ask them to put a class together for yeah, us. Yeah, okay. Um, so that, that that usually happens, but like the thing about it is there's 30, 33, 33 prisons in California, and while there's all kinds of rules and regulations around operations, by and large they operate pretty independently. The warden is like, for lack of a better way to put it, like the mayor of the town, and it's like they will kind of set up the way things are going to be run. So there are general guidelines and rules we, we know and understand when we go in, but it's also, it can be drastically different depending on the way a warden wants to run things. So mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the type of, when it comes to communication, when we walk into a situation, you just always kind of got to be ready for mm-hmm. anything. Um, now, like I said, typically with the reputation of the program, along with uh, sometimes we run programming on the television where they can see what the program is ahead of time, but we still find that we walk into a situation where guys don't know what they've signed up for, or mm-hmm. now what's happening is they, uh, God, I can't think of what the acronym is for it, but they get, the men who are incarcerated can get rack credits for taking classes. Okay. It's great. It's like, it's time off of their sentence. Wow. And it's something that we went, yeah, it's great. We mm-hmm. went to the governor's office and we definitely advocated for, and it's awesome. But the, like, one of the downfalls of it is as soon as that opened up, what we see sometimes are men and women who are initially in the class just to get rack credits. So <laughs> our, our class is a very high level of participation. Obviously, if guys are putting on lipstick, they want to create a situation where everybody's putting it on so they can't you know, get called out, made fun <laughs> right. of, whatever. Right? You, you can about imagine how that goes. Oh, yeah. So, um, so with the rack credits, it kind of threw a, a wrench in things. So either way, like... Like when we first started the program, we'd walk in and nobody had any idea what we were doing there. Now there are some people who have an idea, but it, st- it still works the same way. Essentially what we start doing is we start playing improv games almost immediately, theater games. Mm-hmm. Who Anybody who's done uh, theater has like probably played and zip zaps off some of these games. And immediately what happens is it starts to open people up and they start to play with each other and immediately the racial dro- lines drop. Um, guys start mixing within like five, 10 minutes laughing together. Hmm. And, and that's the opening piece of what we're looking mm-hmm. to create over seven days. So when we initially go in, we'll go in for seven days straight, four hours mm-hmm. a day. 
And the idea is that we start to create a safe space where guys can open up through just simple commitment of like, hey, here's a fun game. Let's get on our feet and play. Mm-hmm. And um, from that point, over the course of the week, we eventually uh, start to get into what we call the style work, which is actually a technique, the technique-based commedia improv, mm-hmm. which is where we start to get into the deeper emotions. And, you know, by the end of the week, you've got guys who, you know, for me, coming from the Midwest and not having any idea what I stepped into initially, you got guys who... When I when I look at like who I was working with, facial tattoos come from a totally different world uh, than me, who haven't felt anything for 30 years, who are starting to feel joy for the first time, starting mm-hmm. to open up and cry for the first time, mm-hmm. and it's a powerful thing to get to lay witness to as an outsider. But you mm-hmm. start to think about it from the point of view of this guy Selly, who like thinks he knows this guy really well for the last. 30 mm-hmm. years that they've done time together and all of this stuff. And all of a sudden he's starting yeah. to open up in a way that he's never seen. And there's just a real power behind that. Right. Um, and then we, and then, you know, our four hours are over for the day and mm-hmm. we will like close up. And then a lot of times, depending on the, the level of security of the yard, like on a level four prison, when the participants in the class step back out of the classroom, they're stepping into an environment where they have to pick, that luggage that they left when they came into the room up again and the racial divide boom comes right back and Mm -hmm. they have to fall for safety right back into the old patterns that they had. But for that four hours, at least they were able to step away from it. Mm -hmm. And then what we see over time is that they, as what happens after seven days is we'll we'll leave them and then come back just every seven weeks and check in on them. Oh, they're doing. That was going to be a question follow up. Yeah. Great. Uh Yeah. So they, the idea then is that they run the class on their own. Every week they'll meet, and then we come up every six, seven weeks and check mm-hmm. in, and we'll teach accordingly based on what they need. Mm-hmm. But essentially, they start to run their own theater company, and we're very upfront with everybody when we come in, and we're like, listen, the idea behind this is not to make you into an actor. Mm-hmm. It's not to create brilliant theater. The idea is that this is essentially a gym for you to exercise your emotions, mm-hmm. get to know yourself better, learn to communicate, learn to start to form mm-hmm. empathy. But inevitably what happens is you start to teach guys these skills and they're amazing, uh, incredible artists (laughs) inside and they've got time, right? So they start to like create musicals and plays and all kinds of cool stuff. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so then what happens is what these skills that they have, because they start to like, they start to seep out onto the yard, um, this this self-work that they're doing, you know, so a guy will will be in the class for a while and then maybe his his cellmate isn't in the class every time he he goes back to his bunk you know he's got like a little fire in his eyes and his friend is like what's going on what is this thing you're involved in and so what we've seen is over time the culture from the class starts to break down if you will the culture on the yard a little bit or starts to soften that culture on the yard Mm -hmm. and we see we've seen a, a study drop in in 115s is what they're called but Essentially, all of 115 is in prison is like a, a violent infraction or an infraction. Okay. Sometimes like a disciplinary uh, mm-hmm. tool that they use. And there's mm-hmm. been a drop in 115s for guys who have been in the class. And on some of these, we're on a level, we're on a yard right now up at High Desert, which do you remember hearing about the hunger strikers on the news several years back? Oh, several um, years back. I've, I don't yeah. know. Where, I don't recall where they were, but yes. Yeah, so in California, there's there were uh, guys in what they call the shoe or in solitary, mm-hmm. and based uh, on Jer- their conditions, they... Jeremy, I'm yeah. going to interrupt a second. 
Uh, sure. I just noticed we're we're half past the hour, and we try to do a station break. So, no problem. Uh, Folks, I'm talking to Jeremy Lanka with the Actors Gang uh, and the Prison Project out of uh, Los Angeles. And uh, we have so much more to talk about because they've been out to the Venice Film Festival and doing the symposium next week. We'll be right back after uh, Dennis uh, does a couple of public service announcements. Welcome back, folks, and welcome back, Jeremy Lanka. Uh, this has just been fascinating about uh, your work with the Prison Project, which is a outgrowth of the Actors Gang that was started uh, by Tim Robbins and some other actors way back, you said, in the 80s. And uh, you joined the uh, troupe, what, you said about 10 years ago? Is that uh, just yep, to, that's yeah. yeah, that's correct. Okay, and so when we left off, you were referring to a hunger strike that was taking place up uh, at the high desert prison that you all are uh, uh, working with now? It didn't happen up at high desert. Oh, okay. What, what happened was high desert got, it became what they, what they call now a shoe kickout yard, meaning that uh, guys were in solitary and a lot of the hunger strikers, when they had their hunger strike, essentially disputing the conditions that they were, they were being exposed to in prison. Eventually, once once they when their needs were met and they and they um, they kicked the, they kicked those guys out onto this yard um, D yard on High Desert, which is a yard that we now run programming in. Mm-hmm. And the reason I was bringing it up is just to say that it's a yard that we've been on for three years now, and arguably it's one of you know the roughest, toughest yards in the state of California. And we were up there recently, and we've been trying to figure out, like in general, you know, after. Uh, 13 years of doing this, and we've received accolades for it, and we have studies that show that the the work uh, is successful in many different ways, but mm-hmm. we have this yard that was a very difficult yard to operate on. The politics on the yard are very strong, so uh, there's a lot of segregation on the yard, uh, a lot of gang activity, a lot of violence, and we were, <laughs> despite you know all of our successes, we're having a hard time getting programming to run and just in terms of kind of looking at the work from a, from a different lens, there is this deep emotional aspect to the work. But uh, I went up, gosh, probably six months ago, and I started working with one of the lieutenants on the yard. And this is the other big thing that comes from the work, is also when we initially started it, there was some resistance from officers around coming in and programming. Right. Uh, they would see the guys through a certain light, and mm-hmm. they weren't necessarily about us coming in and offering and offering this programming up. But over time, that's really shifted. But on a yard like the yard up in high desert, it's still a tough ask to come in and run the type of programming that we're running. Mm-hmm. And so over time, I developed this relationship with one of the lieutenants who had the idea six months ago to try and, you know, these guys, these guys who are in the class have been doing it about two years. They, they participate, but only a little bit, you know, it's really just an excuse for them to get out of, 
or sell, and they're having a hard time engaging. And so he's like, why don't we take what they've learned, offer them the opportunity to put on a play uh, for the other guys on the yard, which from a security level uh, is just a big ask uh, of the other staff members there. Mm-hmm. So it really put this lieutenant in a compromising situation. But uh, I went up a couple weeks ago, and what they did is they took uh, the County Monte Cristo and they adapted it into a 50-minute piece in the style of Commedia dell'arte. Wow. And they performed it for uh, all, all of their friends in the yard. And so when, those, when that audience came in, I mean, the audience was totally split. You had northerners on one side of the audience, southerners <laughs> on the other side of the audience. <laughs> and the two shot callers, they're the guys who have, like, the most clout on the yard, are sitting up front, you know, in their, in their position of power. Uh-huh. And then you had all the prison staff there watching, and these guys just totally step it up. They've like it, that incentive, you know, brought them together. They utilize not only the emotional tools that they had, but also really this, this the, the, the tools to form high level art. They, they essentially were running satire in a level four prison. And I don't know that, you know, some of them would necessarily even say that they know what satire is, but they had jokes in there about the officers <laughs> you know, to the point where, like, the officers were laughing, but they're also, like, uncomfortable about the situation, but the performers walked this line of just poking enough fun that it was all, like, in good taste, and then backed off when they needed to, and and it was brilliant. And afterwards, the captain, uh, who's the boss of this lieutenant, was like, that is one of the most brilliant pieces of theater I've ever seen. Wow. I want to build you guys a stage, um, and we're going to open this up to the entire yard. And so, wow. a huge transformation took place, and the point is, I guess, that I'm making is that, like, we've gotten to the point now with the program where it's like, essentially, they are uh, these groups are starting to create plays, theater mm-hmm. inside, and mm-hmm. at a pretty at a pretty shockingly high level, mm-hmm. uh, where even we come in and we're like, wow, that was something. This is marvelous, uh, just uh, just so inspiring to hear, and 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 that that idea itself came from one of the officers uh, yeah. that you've been working with. So, do you have in your future programming a uh, a call to other states that say something like, uh, "We're going to offer training for uh, uh, the uh, actors gang uh, satellite <laughs> groups uh, that can uh, begin to learn how to do." You know, to take the model and reproduce it in other states. Is this, you've gotten that vision? I'm sure somebody has it somewhere. <laughs> we're working on it. We're totally working on it. Um, you know, I think we're, we're definitely, we, we want to do that. Um, and Tim and I have talked a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just a logistical sure. uh, mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing we run into, and it's no different even in the state of California because we're in 15 prisons now and we've been asked, they're like, well, can you go to all of them? And it's like, mm, we could maybe, but like, is that something that is in, uh, of interest to the program? Um, right now where we're seeing the biggest need is in reentry. As guys are starting to get back out, we're sinking mm-hmm. a lot of our resources into running that type of programming. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we've tried to do in the state of California is we've, we've tiered our programming. So rather than go to all the prisons, the way it works in California is level four is the highest level security, and then it tears down to two. Okay. And then they separate it. This is in the process of changing it, but they separate it into 
what they call general population yards, which are guys who are just have been incarcerated. If you were to get incarcerated, you go to a general population yard unless you're at risk on that yard. So either your crime had something something to do with an issue that would put you um, at risk, mm-hmm. something probably of like a sexual nature, possible white-collar crime. Mm-hmm. Also, guys who have given up their gang affiliation would go to what they call a sensitive needs yard, or SNY. Hmm. And so they split. And so what we've done is we've, we have programs on level 4 GP, level 4 SNY, and then it tiers all the way down. And so we've kind of we put that plan together because what we found is that it's a, just a very difficult training process to get somebody who's an, a, an artist, not only well-versed in the style that we teach, but then when they walk into the room to teach uh, in an environment like prison, there's just a lot of politics that uh, they need to be aware of. And so as we think about expanding state uh, to different states, yeah. we definitely see the need. And, you know, over the years, we've developed a lot of friends who are doing similar type of works where it seems like we might be able to enter into some partnerships. So that's kind of mm-hmm. what we're looking at, mulling over, thinking about. And then we've also thought about, we tour a lot internationally, and we've had requests from some of the stops on our tours to uh, work in some of the prisons there. So we're, hmm. we're mulling that over as well. Uh, could you tell our audience uh, what are some of the plays that you've toured in the last, that, well, just that come to mind for you? Yeah, so we do uh, 1984, or uh, based on or- uh, George Orwell's book, mm-hmm. is a play. We're getting ready to reprise it here at the theater, but it's a play that we keep in our rep, and it's toured, oh gosh, all over the world. Um, over the last, really, 10 years, uh, we reprise it almost like every other year. So, mm. And it's a fun adaptation. It's super fast, and it, it has a lot of punch to it, and unfortunately, it just seems to <laughs> What's going on in the world is always <laughs> relevant. Um, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, you know, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. So we're doing that. Uh, we did. We're going to do Dario Fo's "Can't Pay, Won't Pay" uh, here in January, and I think I'm going to be involved with that. And then we just did um, uh, "Accidental Death of an Anarchist" last spring. So we're big fans of Dario Fo. Uh, hmm. He was a huge supporter of ours, and uh, and then Tim always. You know, a lot of times he'll write something or will possibly reprise one of the plays that uh, he wrote early on uh, in the 80s or 90s. Oh, okay. We revived one of his plays last year. Okay. Well, I think think the audience would be fascinated to look up uh, at least an area for me that was brand new. I I just had not heard of the Actors Gang at all and and, uh, and this... uh, great uh, humanitarian work that has grown out of it and uh, you know just highly commend what's going on what what was the uh, is this the first I guess this is the first documentary that because you said you've been working on it for a number of years um, it's called 45 seconds of laughter is that right yeah yeah so um called 45 Seconds of Laughter. We shot it a couple of years ago down at a prison uh, right off the Mexico border. And just it just takes a while to put these things together. It took us a long time to get permission to uh, go in and shoot it. Uh, wow. But what we did is we followed a class over the course of seven days. And Tim Robbins and his crew, it's like, it's no wonder that... Uh, 
Tim's expertise are in film. Like we just were able, to, I saw the film for the first time uh, last week. It premiered at the Venice Film Fest last week. Oh, you saw it for the first awesome. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How interesting. It was a great way to get to see it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it was wonderful. Like, he has, he's really uh, found a way to let the work speak for itself. He really lets you into what it is to experience class for over the, over the course of seven days and, and to really go through it. Um, it doesn't focus on any one person's story, uh, one teacher's story. It's really about the, a group of guys going through this work together, the skepticism that happens the first time we come into the room and how that eventually transitions into the, them opening up. And uh, to be honest with you, as, as the guy who kind of oversees programming and seeing what they shot that week and talking to him a little bit about it, I was really worried about you know what, what their angle is going to be. I was like, how are they going to make this into... <laughs> How are they going to capture it? And uh, but they did. Like he he brought uh, Neil, his editor, just did a beautiful job of. Uh, there are a couple like uh, montages in there that are just that I feel like totally captured the spirit of the class. So if you're interested uh, in kind of what we do, it's a great. We haven't we haven't got distribution for it yet, but I imagine we probably will. And once we do, uh, there will be an opportunity to check it out, and mm-hmm. uh, it it'll definitely well, showcase kind of what what our process is. You may or may not know that we have the True False Film Festival here in Columbia, Missouri uh, in the spring, uh, usually toward the end of March, I believe it is. And we have documentaries uh, from all over the world. Uh, well, that would be awesome. U- Eugene Jarecki and et cetera. So uh, um, I hope uh, that's on somebody's radar because we would love to see it right here uh, in the old hometown. Well, let's see what we can do about that, yeah. Yeah, it's called True False Film Festival. Okay. Right. Yeah, so I understand, uh, you know, the Venice Film Festival got a lot of press. Uh, I didn't hear your documentary being highlighted, but that's okay. It was there and and, uh, and had its airing. Is there another film festival that you're headed for or have already done? Did you do South by Southwest and... We won't do South by Southwest. We're going to do uh, the New York Film Fest oh, coming okay. up. Uh, yeah, here at the end of the month. All right. Which, yeah. Well, another interesting thing to me is that um, I I live in Jefferson City, Missouri, the the capital of Missouri, mm-hmm. and we uh, for the longest time Jefferson City had the maximum security prison right. You know, four or five blocks from the Capitol. <laughs> so we have this uh, this prison property that now is is abandoned in terms of the prison, but uh, mm-hmm. they're they're doing tours and and doing a, a lot of things. So uh, prison has sort of cap captured people's imagination in in that area, and I'm just uh, letting my imagination. Um, filter out into the again the possibilities for how connections can be made to uh, in in a sense capitalize but not in necessarily the money way but to capitalize in a in a uh, training and teaching and and building way um, your work uh, here in our area so I'm, yeah. I'm just fantasizing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds good. I'm excited to get there. I have uh, I have a lot of family in the area, and 
I'm excited to get back. And I'm meeting up actually with a uh, fellow artist, Chris Limber. Are you familiar with that name? Chris Limber. Limber. I do not yeah. know Chris. He works, uh, he works for an organization called Prison Performing Arts okay. out of St. Louis. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, it does, does work in the same vein. So it's like, you know, we'll get together and talk and see kind of, I'm anxious to kind of see, you know, what's going on there and where, where the uh, Missouri State Prison System's at and, mm-hmm. you know, take it from there. See if there's an opportunity to, uh, to maybe, you know, do something together. Can you spell his last name while I have you on the line? <laughs> sure, of course. It's, it's L-I-M-B-E-R. Okay, Limber. Well, just like Limber. All right. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, I do this show once a week, and uh, who knows who the next guest will be uh, af- after th- this month's schedule is done. So, yeah, it's always good to have leads and uh, follow up and connect different artists and uh, guests that I've had. Uh, so we have about uh, three or four minutes left. Yeah. Would you like to, I mean, please use our time to uh, capture any point that you would like to get out to our folks and uh, um, invite them to the show next or to the presentation next week. Uh, however you want to use our time, we're, we're just chatting. Sure. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I would say is just uh, if, if anything we've talked about is of interest, definitely uh, make your way out to the symposium next week. Um, to hear me talk about it is one thing, but uh, to hear it it's spoken, told through lived experience uh, right. is a whole different thing. And uh, I'm so privileged, honored, just stoked to um, be bringing these two gentlemen out with me. Mm-hmm. Um and so they can share, share, share their story. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it'll be incredibly powerful. Um, <laughs> it, it makes me like a little emotional just to even think about it. Uh, one of the <laughs> biggest things that, <laughs> that I found is like it, it's we, we have these little moments all the time when we're on the road because we, we met each other through totally different contexts. But um, now our families get to know each other and uh, we find ourselves out on the road together, uh, uh, you know, yeah. running into all the crazy experiences that happen when you're essentially on tour together up and down the state of California. So wow. it should be re- a really, really cool experience. Wonderful. <clears throat> Wonderful. Yeah. It is free in the morning and uh, it's free in the evening, evidently, too, I, uh, from what uh, Dennis said, except that it may need to have a ticket for the uh, the keynote, Madeleine Albright. Um, but uh, is there another uh, linkage, a website, or place that you would recommend people go to learn more about the Actors Project or 45 Seconds of uh, of Laughter or the Prison Project? I guess, are they all just Googled and, and they will come up as they come up? Set. Yeah, if you Google the Actors Gang, uh, it'll, it'll, definitely, uh, it'll definitely pop up for you. Yeah, okay, the um, Actors and then Gang, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but on there is a link to uh, the Prison Project page, and yeah, uh, that's the best way to check us out. All right. It's just, it's just www.theactorsgang.com. Yeah. Uh, I did have one little, uh, another association. I, I taught uh, at the university here in Jeff City, uh, a historically black uh, university called Lincoln mm-hmm. University. And yeah. uh, so our population is roughly 50-50 in terms of uh, the color line. And mm-hmm. so I had a, a required class 
that was anywhere from 100 to 140 students. And first day of class, uh, the segregation was <laughs> was very obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it yeah. was funny you talked about how they come in and they initially just segregate so well. I didn't uh, have tools like you. I just uh, started doing the Dalton Shuffle and said, yeah. <laughs> uh, you need to find a person different from you to sit with for the next of the rest of the semester. And and it actually worked out quite well and, and became uh, highly appreciated. So, um, yeah. yeah, so That's it great. wasn't a prison necessarily, <laughs> but for some of them, they probably thought it was. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still a big thing uh, in our country right now. Oh, yeah. Um, it is. Yeah. When you, when you look at who's incarcerated, I think in the state of California, I think in the state system, I think 25, 25 uh, percent of, of uh, those incar- men incarcerated are African-American. And when you translate that the population, I think uh, African-American is like 5 percent uh, male in the state of California. So, yeah. I mean, without a doubt, uh, men and women of color, you mm-hmm. know, are incarcerated in the state of California at a totally different rate. So, right. and it does, you know, it's, it, it smacks you in the face anytime you walk in there. It's mm-hmm. apparent. Yep. All righty. Well, Jeremy Lanka, looking forward to meeting you next week in person. I can't make it for the, the morning because I'll be on the radio, but uh, I'll try to get signed up for the workshop and see you next week. That sounds great. All well, right. It was a real pleasure, Dick. Thank you so much. Our pleasure here, too. Thank you. Okay. Right. So, listeners, as uh, I usually end, uh, remember wherever you are, that is your world. Please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it because if it is to be, it is up to us. Take care and talk to you soon.